Hello, fellow Rebel Capitals. Hope you're well. So this hated asset, I think, could be the best performing investment of 2024, maybe even 2025 into 2026. What on earth am I talking about? Well, I'll give you a hint. It's actually not commodities, believe it or not. Not gold, It's not Bitcoin. But let's get over to a quote from one of the all-time greats, Stan Druckenmiller, so we can get in the right frame of mind to be receptive to this hated asset that when I bring it up, every single one of you are going to say, George, there's no way I'm going to buy that. No way I'm going to buy that. And that's exactly why I think it might outperform. That's why I think it might go straight up. <laughs> All right, let me do a screen share. We'll get right over to Druckenmiller. And this quote, this is from the Market Wizards books. And if you haven't read these, you what are you waiting for, my friend? Uh, you're just, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice. So this is from the New Market Wizards, which I believe was the second book that Jack Schweiger came out with. Interview with Stan Druckenmiller. Stan says, when I first started out, I did every, I did very thorough papers covering every aspect of a stock or industry. Before I could make the presentation to the stock selection committee, I first had to submit the paper to the research director. I particularly remember the time I gave him the paper on the banking industry. I felt proud of my work. However, he read through it and said, this is useless. <laughs> what makes the stock go up or down? The comment acted as a spur. Thereafter, I focused my analysis on seeking to identify the factors that were strongly correlated to a stock's price movement as opposed to looking at all the fundamentals. Frankly, even today, many analysts still don't know what makes their stock or asset class go up or down. But I think I have some, some personal insights to this. It's a, a quote I heard, and I, I can't recall where I heard it. I wish I could give them credit. But this has really stuck with me over the years. And it pertains to understanding what drives price at the end of the day. So this quote starts by suggesting, or this, um, this advice, this wisdom starts by suggesting that you bet or invest relative to expectations. So even if you know you got to hold your nose and buy something that you don't like or you think is going to go down further or whatever it is, you have to bet based on expectations or relative to expectations and taking it a step further, what's priced in relative to probabilities. So if you look at a a stock let's say and what's priced in as is bankruptcy, but the probability of bankruptcy is only, let's say, 25%, that could be an opportunity. Or right now, let's just say that uh, the, the market is pricing in 95% uh, rate cuts by March of 2024. I mean, that's something, it's a great example, because it's something that most of you could say, yeah, I, I can totally see that happening. But Assume you come to the conclusion by doing research and your analysis that the probability, although you think it's that's your base case, the probability is not 95%. The probability is, let's say, 65%. That could be an opportunity. That's the whole point here. And that mismatch between expectations 
that have been priced into an asset or a stock and the actual probabilities, that's your opportunity. And that's what's going to drive the price over the mid or long term. Exactly what Druckenmiller is saying. Now that we understand that, let's go over and try to get our head around. Let's go over to the New York Post here. And I'm going to go over this article quickly. Let's get our head around what the expectations are for this particular hated asset. And then let's try to think about what the probabilities are and if there's a potential mismatch. U.S. office real estate prices headed for severe crash, investors say. Around two-thirds of those who responded to a Bloomberg news survey said they believe commercial real estate market will recover only after, after a crash. When asked when they believe the price of the office properties will hit bottom, 44% said they expect it to happen in the second half of next year, while 22% said the first six months of 2024. Again, this is according to Bloomberg News. Just 6% of the 919 respondents said that prices would bottom out this year, I think they're talking about 2023, while 29% predicted that it would be 2025 or beyond. Now, let me give you some numbers here, guys, to back up what we're saying about the expectations for, as you guessed it, commercial real estate. Office buildings in New York City, the world's largest commercial real estate market, have lost, wait for it, $76 billion in value from their most recent sales prices. Blackstone, not to be confused with everyone's favorite Black Rock. I think er er everyone hates Blackstone as well, but they're kind of just, they hate them just a little less than Black Rock. <laughs> and RXR sold the office building at 1330 Avenue of the Americas for 320 million, a third less than the listing price in 2006. Real estate firm, Cushman Wakefield recently predicted there would be 1 billion square feet of unused space by 2030. That is, those are just some staggering numbers there. So now let's go over. So we understand the expectations. The expectations are for real estate, commercial real estate, let's say office, to continue to go down. Now, I, let me be clear. I'm not saying that it won't. I'm not saying that the bottom is in with office. I don't think that it is. But the great thing about real estate is it moves very, very slowly. For those of you who were on that free webinar that we did, or the, uh, the webinar within Rebel Capitalist Pro, uh, you remember me talking about Steve. He's the very famous hedge fund manager, wildly successful, made billions of dollars for himself and his clients that is now retired and living in St. Bart's, a good buddy of mine there. And he has made, he made a killing in Japan in the late 80s and early 90s on the way up and down, made a killing in San Francisco during the dot-com bust or bubble and bust, uh, and then made a killing in real estate residential during the GFC. And one of the things that we discussed commercial real estate quite extensively, and one of the points that he made, which is absolutely spot on, is that it, it it's not something it has this V-shape down and then V-shape recovery. It takes a lot of time. So even if you're someone that, that really needs to process and think about things, that opportunity can last quite some time. You know, we compare this to something like, 
let's say gold in uh, 2008, where it had that steep crash, or I think even better, gold in 2020, when there was about a week, maybe even maybe two weeks, where gold just tanked, went down by three, four hundred dollars, and then bam, V-shaped recovery. So if you didn't time it perfectly, if you didn't time the bottom perfectly, and if you weren't really paying attention during that two-week period, you would have missed it. In fact, the, the bottom was probably just a couple days where think about how much time you had to buy residential real estate when after it really, really crashed, which was call it 2009, 2010. In 2011 and 2012, we had not bottomed yet. I think we bottomed at the end of 2012. The prices still went down slightly, but maybe let's just say three, 4%. The, the vast majority of the decline was 2009 and 2010. But you still had a couple of years versus gold in 2020 when you had a couple of days. So I think the commercial real estate is going to be the exact same thing. Look at the story we did the other day about these malls. I mean, talk about a hated asset class. They're just an eyesore in pretty much every single community across America. At least these malls that are, you know, now have... 10% occupancy, there's weeds growing in the parking lot. And uh, these were kind of the hub of commerce 20 years ago. But now you just see the tumbleweeds roll by. And if you guys didn't catch that live stream that we did, we talked about how there's companies going around buying these malls and making fortunes, fortunes on repurposing them for lower cost tenants, let's say, and then selling off the pieces of the property that are still very high value pieces of the properties, let's say that has a target on it, or maybe some, a McDonald's or a Chipotle or something like that. And uh, they're, they're piecing off the sections, paying themselves back. So basically they get the property for free and they get all this cash flow, massive opportunity. That's a great example of exactly what we're talking about. The expectations for all of these malls, these shopping malls, is to go to zero, is for them to be demoed. That's the expectation. But the probability is quite a bit different, especially if you can repurpose it. So let's get over to maybe some probabilities that differ from the expectations for these office buildings, which I would argue the expectation is for them basically to go to zero, to, to the point where they'll give them away just because they've got a pay all of the property taxes. And that's the only price that they'll clear because the only value in the office building itself is the land. And to demo the office building, it's going to cost you $5 million. And you got to have the liability of all these property taxes. So no, that, that why would anyone pay over a dot? Why would it be? In fact, a lot of these office buildings, even if this idea is correct, and even if it is a great investment, there's going to be a lot of these office buildings that will go to zero. In fact, a lot of these office buildings, you're not going to be able to give them away because the demo cost is more than the actual value of the land that you could buy. I mean, we saw the exact same thing happen in Detroit during the GFC where you couldn't even give houses away because the cost of demoing it was more than you could just buy that lot for but then you get the liability of the taxes. So we'll still see that play out, but the expectations are that they're going to have to do that to every single office building. And the reality is they're not.
Hey guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts, Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Serezna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Jason Hartman, real estate, and Brent Johnson with Macro Economics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of out-of-control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow rebel capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. Let's go over to this article from CNBC. If I could find it here. Here we go. Full return. And, and I'm going to give you some anecdotal evidence on this as well. Full return to office isn't the only work model dying. So is fully remote. And I could not agree more with the premise of this article, which, yes, they're saying absolutely. In 2020, 2021, we had this huge move to remote work. But now we're not going to see it come all the way back. But you're going to see a, a mixture. And let's, if you guys don't know my personal story, I retired in 2012. But I was an entrepreneur for over a decade. I ran many businesses and I've had literally thousands of employees, not all at one time, but over the years, I've had thousands of employees. And I can tell you, and, and this is, this is not, not debatable at all. People are far more productive when they're in the office, when they're under management, especially if you've got the guy or gal in there, that's the actual entrepreneur, which is the person who started the business. It's hard for me to explain, but when, in fact, Josh, why don't you, uh, I want you to chime in here in a moment, okay. but when just what you were down here in Medellin for, let's say two months, when you were down here in Medellin, you and I were going to lunch, we were grabbing dinners, uh, we were going out on the weekends, we were you know, going to the golf course, playing tennis. But during this whole time, what are we talking about? We're talking about YouTube. We're talking about business. We're talking about Rebel Capitals Live, Rebel Capitals Pro. We're talking about all these things. And when you're around someone face-to-face, -face, there's the focus is so much better. And there's an energy that's that you just have to experience, especially when you're around that founder. You know, another good example of this is Patrick Bet David. When you listen to a podcast with Pat or Josh, you you met him the other night at the Valuetainment. Uh, VIP thing that we went to. Pat has that energy that is contagious. It's that let's get shit done. Excuse my my language there, but that's the best way I can describe it. It's let's get shit done attitude that nothing's going to get in our way. There is no problem that we cannot solve. Uh, and if anything does get in our way, we're just going to power right through it. And if you don't believe me, just get behind me hop on my back and let's go for that ride. Because if you're on my team, you're going to be successful. We are going to be successful because this is the vision and come hell or high water, we're going to get it done. Pat has that. He just, not only does he have that attitude, but he just has, he omits that energy, that vibe. And I can promise you that when Pat's employees are around him, 
they perform much better. I would argue they're even in a better frame of mind just because it, it, that, that, that energy, that positiveness that he has is very contagious. And I've seen it over and over and over and over and over again. Very few people actually have that, but a large percentage of successful entrepreneurs do have that. And there's just no way that employees, even if they're fantastic, even if they're go-getters, even if they're self-starters, there's no way that they can perform at an optimal level um, unless, or well, there's no way they can perform at an optimal level on their own if they have the opportunity to be around someone like Pat consistently. So in a world where there's free money, in a world where there's stimulus checks, in a world where there's PPP, in a world where business is easy, in a world of economic growth, in the world of 21 and 22, you can have people work from it. You don't need to maximize on their productivity. But when the margins shrink, when all the customers go away, when all of a sudden you go from positive cash flow to negative cash flow, when you go from a growth cycle in the economy to a contraction, a recession, maybe an economic depression, now all of a sudden you've got to tighten your belt. And the very first thing that you do once you fire your employees that uh, are just redundant is you maximize the productivity of the existing employees that you do have. And that ain't going to be from home. I can tell you that. And back in 2021 and 2022, we had this shortage of employees. So labor was pretty much calling the shots. Well, when the unemployment rate goes up to five, six, seven, eight percent, now all of a sudden the leverage is on the other side. The leverage is on the employer and the employee. Yeah. You might want to work for, from home. You might want to do all these things and work in your pajamas and have your dog on your lap and all these things that you think don't interrupt your productivity. But you can do that, but you ain't going to work here. And then what's going to dawn on the employee is that, wait a minute, all of these potential employers that I have are, A, shrinking, and the ones that are left are demanding that I go into work. Maybe not five days a week, but like this article suggests, probably two, three days a week. So those office buildings are still going to have to be utilized. Now, the price is going to have to come down. That is absolutely true. In order the long-term cash flows to make sense, right? Based on a risk-free rate, which right now about 5%. So that's a significant hurdle rate. What I mean by that is the uh, prices of these commercial real estate buildings are going to have to come down to where the long-term cash flow based on how many businesses need X amount of space because of this new hybrid model, which I think is most realistic moving forward. You know, once we determine what that cash flow is going to be realistically on a long-term basis, prices are going to have to adjust to where they are higher than the risk-free rate based on whatever risk premium you want to attach. So if the risk-free rate, let's say is 5%, well, hey, you're going to have to come in. Those cash flows are going to have to produce 10, 12, maybe even 15%. And the price is going to have to come down to that level. But you see, that's the opportunity because said very simply, the expectation is that virtual work or 100% of work moving forward is going to be remote. That's the expectation. But the probability of that is very, very low. You see, that's the divergence. And that's the opportunity that I was talking about with this, these words of wisdom 
that I wrote down, which really dovetails on what Stan Druckenmiller was saying. So the key talking points, guys, 1% of executives in this new study uh, say their employees are fully remote, 1%. A stark contrast from 2022 when 34% of respondents said they had remote workplace model. Hybrid work is the winner. And 80% of the business leaders are confident in this strategy. And again, even if you're someone right now that's watching this saying, George, you just don't get it. You don't, you don't get it. You're too old. The Josh generation, they're never going to go into work. They're never going to be willing to. Oh, yeah. Well, that's going to change when they get fired. It's going to change real quick when they can't pay rent. Now, all of a sudden, they're going to be very, very happy to go into the office. Why? Because they have a job. Because <laughs> they can put a roof over their head. They can put food on the table. That's what happens in a recession. And I can tell you, again, from experience, that the employers are looking at their employees and the managers. It's not just the CEO, the CFO. It's the managers as well. You ask, in fact, any of you on this live stream that manage groups of people, let me know what you think. Do your employees work better when you're right in the room with them, managing them, at least, let's say, two or three times a week? Or do your, are your employees more productive when you don't see them for a year? And the only communication with them is on Zoom. So the last key talking point, I think those days of let's see what people want are quickly running out, said Mark Grinnis, who leads EY America Real Estate Hospitality and Construction Sector. Right. So what he's saying there is the employee having the leverage and saying, no, hell no. If you won't let me work from home, pound sand, I'll just go get another job. Those days are over and the leverage is switching back over to the employer where they say, you're coming into work or you can go get a job and the employee is going to say, fine, I'll be there Monday morning. They talk about how this is a consistent theme that they're seeing within human resources companies or within the human resource department of big companies. Large study when I was talking about 1% now have this remote work model. Uh, that was a survey of over 500 business leaders. They say leadership is thinking, I think we are losing some of our culture. We're losing some of the training, growth, and professional development. I mean, I would say that a different way. I think that example of Patrick Bet David, if you've heard a podcast with Pat, whether he's the interviewer or he's the interviewee, you know exactly what I'm talking about. He just has that, that positive, that winning attitude, that winner energy that very, very few people have. And I guarantee you, all of his employees are far more productive when they at least spend a couple days a week around Pat. And that's what all these business leaders understand very, very well. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market capitalism. We'll see you in the next video.